The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn more about the week ahead in stocks. My guest is Ben Levison, Barron's Deputy Editor and Markets Editor. Happy May, Ben, and welcome back to Barron's Live. Uh, thanks, Lauren. It doesn't look so happy. The market was up this morning, and now it is following its old pattern and falling again. But like everyone else in the investment world, I want to look backward before we look forward to what all this means. The first four months of this year were really the worst stretch for stocks since the 1970s, as you noted in the past weekend's trader column. The NASDAQ is down about 17% year-to-date, the S&P is down 13%, the Dow is down 9%, and there is really no place to hide. So the question is, what could possibly turn things around from here and send the market back up again? Do you have any thoughts there? Well, I think it has... I think it has to be the Fed, um, and whether we have the meeting on on one, uh, the the meeting is this week on Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll get the decision on interest rates uh, Wednesday at uh, at two p.m. Um, and and I think you know we pretty much know what to expect from the Fed in terms of what it's going to do with rates. We're almost uh, the the market's pricing in a half point rate hike, um, and uh, if, if that happens, it, it shouldn't be a shock. Um, I think where the uh, the worries come in is on what the Fed decides to do going forward um the um you know the, there's there's talk of a three-quarter point hike uh in the future uh, perhaps as soon as the uh, june meeting um we also know that we're probably going to get details of the fed's uh quantitative tightening as it tries to uh, uh shrink its balance sheet um and unload some of these bonds that uh it had bought up uh during the, the the COVID crisis, um, and, and so there, there's a lot there that uh, could uh, you know cause more consternation among investors. But it's also possible that with the market so on edge about what the Fed does, that the Fed might not be quite as hawkish as the market is pricing in right now, and that actually could cause a, a bounce in stocks at least uh, in the short term. Um, and it, the market's really at a pretty important point here. Um, where it's trying to hold some support uh, near its uh, yearly lows. It's a little bit below that, but not enough to really call it a true break. Um, And and so I think what the Fed says and how it says it is really going to be the thing to watch this week. The Fed has been accused of being well behind the curve in getting a grip on inflation. And as you say, there's, there's talk of a 50 basis point hike. There's even been talk of a 75 basis point hike and a one percentage point interest rate hike. Bloomberg, for instance, is talking about the likelihood that all of this plus trimming the balance sheet could provoke a financial shock. Do you think there's merit to that? What sort of odds do you put on that? Um, I mean, there there definitely could be. I mean, the, the problem always comes is it's, it's not really the stock market itself. It's when we start seeing volatility across assets. Um, and that's that's when we need to really start start worrying. 
Um, You're talking about currency and bonds? Currency, bonds, uh, yeah, um, pretty much there. Um, I mean, right now we're seeing massive strength in the dollar, huge weakness in the yen. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the uh, the euro um, lately, but it is trading. I mean, it's getting pretty close to being a parity with, mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. with, with the dollar, which is uh, really remarkable. Um, and, uh, you know, if you you look at that as kind of a, a worrisome sign, I was reading uh, something by uh, from um, Charles Gavet at uh, Gavacol, and um, he was pointing out that um, it, you're, you're starting to see the dollars held at the Fed by foreign um, central banks um, are starting to decline year over year. And he says that that's always been a sign that there is a liquidity crisis brewing. Um, and, and in this case, he thinks it's because of um, rising oil prices that, um, you know, you have uh, countries uh, are having to use, um, you know, the dollar is, is largely the currency used to buy uh, oil with oil prices as high as they are. Um, they're having to go ahead and convert uh, into dollars, draw down their own currencies um, in order to do that. Um, and, he, and he's really worrying that if uh, oil keeps going up, you know, you get a liquidity crisis from all this conversion to dollars. If the dollar keeps getting stronger, um, you can get you can get that as well. Um, and he's also uh, worried about uh, the euro. Um, what happens if uh, um, Europe says, OK, we're not going to buy Russian oil anymore. Well, you know, Europe has always paid for Russian oil in euros, he says, um, but then it would have to start converting euros into dollars to buy oil from other places. And all this could just lead to a huge uh, dollar crunch, basically, in, in the markets and uh, cause a big, I mean, I think that's probably the understatement of the century to say um, it caused big problems. Um, it, it really is uh, kind of frightening to look at. Um, but then again, you know, the Fed is obviously aware of this um and is is going to try to prevent that kind of thing from happening too much and uh it, it, i assume we'll take action if it thinks the dollar is getting too strong mm-hmm. so spell that out for people who don't follow this what kind of action would it take where would it lead well it uses uh you know has swap lines with central banks but you sort of get back into a crisis type of uh of management again, where it's, you know, it's, it's coming up with these swap lines with central banks so that they can get their hands on dollars. Maybe it stops raising rates. The problem there is that uh, because we have an inflation problem, um, you, you know, the Fed is really going to be hard pressed press not to raise, keep raising rates until it sees inflation coming in. Um, so it's in a really tough spot now um, compared to, you know, previous crises in some ways. So the war and the oil situation are really something to watch here because that that seems to be one of the keys to what might unfold next right i mean there's there really wasn't um you know i I don't think anyone was prepared for it we've always known that uh europe has had a um had left itself exposed by being so dependent on russian oil but it never really did anything to uh to uh solve that problem and and now it's it's going to have to deal with it uh, one way or the other um and i don't think either um you know it's it's either do you keep paying uh russia or do you uh stop and uh have to deal with the economic consequences and it's not a great position to be in to say so the least. well while all of this is unfolding many much of it with very negative consequences for risk markets we have corporate earnings rolling in this is first quarter results primarily and the results are pretty good so how do you balance rising rates, shrinking balance sheet, potential liquidity crisis with pretty strong U.S. corporate earnings? 
Well, I think that's partially what's been helping the market hold up as well as it has. I mean, you consider all the bad news out there this year and to have the uh, S&P 500 down uh, just, I'll put that in quotes, 13.3%. I mean, we're we're not in a bear market yet um, unless you're, you know, happen to be invested in the, in the NASDAQ, which has really gotten hit uh, uh, much harder. But um, now I was reading uh, Dennis uh, DeBoucher over at uh, uh, V22 research and, you know, he was pointing out that, uh, you know, you, you have actually uh, sales growth um, you have margin expansion um, you have dividends, and that's actually added to the um, to the S and P total return this year, about six point five percentage points. The problem is that the uh, the PE has really come in on the market, um, and he he puts that at almost seventeen percentage points. And you put those two together, and that's you get a market that's down thirteen um, percent. Um, but I think that's that's going to be the focal point right now is on on those earnings. Um, you know, if you're a bull, you're looking at that and you're saying, hey, things are OK. Even revisions, so they're coming in. The guidance hasn't been great. That's it's been coming down a bit, but it's still well above typical levels. And as long as these earnings hold up, perhaps the market will, too. Um, it can offset some of this squeeze on valuations that is likely caused by the uh, the Fed and uh, the the, uh, the tightening, the hiking of interest rates and tightening of monetary policy. But if you're a bear, you're looking at this and saying, you know what, these these earnings are still way too high. Um, they have to come in. Um, they have to uh, they have to be trimmed. And that means that the market is not as cheap as it looks right now. Um, and, uh, it, it could get cheaper. And, um, you know, if you do think if you're in the recession camp, um, you have to think that the uh, stock market is going to drop to something along the lines of like a 15 to 16 forward PE from, and it's about uh, 17.7, I believe it was according to FactSet today. And so you have to, you know, you see more, you'd have to see more downside there and probably into around, you know, 36 to 3,800 on the S and P 500. That doesn't sound too good to me, but I, I look at the contracting PE as sort of the way the way investors feel about everything. It, 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 it's true. And then, um, you know, for anyone looking for some good news is, uh, you know, the sentiment is so terrible now. I saw one chart this morning that was pointing out that um, sentiment is um, the, the difference between how investors feel, the sentiment uh, indicators that we have uh, versus how strong the economic data has been. Um, is at recessionary kind of levels, even though the data is held, holding up quite well. Um, and sometimes that sentiment is a contrary indicator. So I, I'm just grasping for optimistic straws. Um, and, I, and I think that's what we have to, to, to grasp at is that, uh, you know, could we see good news um, come through? I mean, there's so much bad news priced in right now. And we see it, um, you know, the, the S&P 500 is a little bit weird as an indicator. Because um, if you look at a lot of stocks, they're clearly priced for recessions and more, um, though the, the the index is uh, is holding up uh, quite uh, quite a bit better. Um, and you know, if you want to take a bullish view, you have to feel comfortable comforted by the fact that sentiment is absolutely terrible. I mean, it is at levels that we see when we're in the midst of a recession, when things are as bad as they can get. Um, not at the start of a recession. Um, and so that has to be something that makes you think, feel like if we get any kind of good news, um, you can really get a, a snapback bounce in this market, um, at least in the short term. Um, and, I, and we don't know what that could be. I mean, could there be good news coming out of Russia and Ukraine? Could it be something that Powell says on Wednesday? Um, 
you know, could it be just getting through earnings season and have a chance for people to look back at it and say, hey, you know what, maybe this wasn't quite as terrible as we thought in the moment. Um, we but, never know until it happens. It's exactly. Surprises. So I want to talk about some of the key earnings news that we're going to be getting this week. We'll start with biotech and pharma. This is a sector, two sectors that have had few winners this year. What What's ahead? For some well, of these companies, you know, they, they've it's been an interesting one because there's some that have done well because they're, it's kind of a, def a defensive sector, but there are others that have done, you know, terribly um, for one reason or another. Um, I mean, I think Pfizer is an interesting example. I mean, here's a company that was kind of just, you know, doing it was doing better pretty much than any pharma um, for a while there because of its um, its COVID franchises. Um, but now it's having a, a pretty terrible year. It's uh, off 17% in 2022. Um, I think it was down this morning um, more than 2% uh, because it's a uh, COVID pill. Um, they announced on uh, late Friday that uh, it had failed in trials. And so this opportunity to expand that COVID, um, oh, that, that, that COVID um, um, portfolio, uh, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be there, or at least it's going to take a while to really see that come through. So people are saying, what is, uh, what have you done for me lately kind of thing? And I think that's a lot of, pro uh, you're going to hear this a lot as we talk about earnings, because a lot of the companies that did well through the first part of the COVID pandemic are doing poorly now. And partially that's because they've pulled forward so much demand and people are trying to figure out what uh, what does the business look like going forward? Um, if Pfizer isn't getting all this money off of um, shots for off of COVID vaccines, where is it going to be making its money? And that is an overhang on the stock. It's still going to do quite well. Um, they're expected to earn $1.57 a share, and that's up from 93 cents a share um, last year. And so, so the growth is there, but it's not growth that the market feels comfortable is going to be able to keep going like that just because of where it's coming from. Interesting situation. Let's talk about Vertex for a moment. This is a stock that you picked in Trader a couple of months ago. And congratulations, because the stock is up almost 25% year to date. That is a clear outlier in the industry. What's going so well for Vertex? Well, this is an interesting thing because the stock was up almost 25% heading into today at the oh, no. close. And then this morning it came out, uh, it, it, it turns out that his diabetes drug uh, was not approved by the Fed and they have to, they're going to have to reapply um, for approval. And so it, it was down 6% on Monday. Um, it's still I, I, a winner, Ben. It's still a winner. Um, and, and and it's a winner because it, what, what I saw at the beginning of the year is the stock was pretty much was pretty beaten down. There was a lot of worry that um, its cystic fibrosis drug um, was going to face competition from others. And what we've seen throughout the start of this year is that all those other drugs that were supposed to be coming through from these competitors aren't happening. Um, they're, they're just going to take a lot longer than people thought, which means that um, Vertex is it just has a very long line of sight uh, on sales there right now, which is it, it's an uh, it's an amazing thing because this this disease is so terrible. Um, and uh, but now we have the you know some overhangs with this uh, diabetes drug. Um, I, I think the the market gets past that. Um, what, what we've been seeing a lot, and we saw this in earnings season, is that the winners, there's not a lot of margin for error, um, whether it was on the earnings numbers. Um, I think we saw that um, with O'Reilly on uh, uh, automotive on Friday. Uh, it has nothing to do with pharma, but here's a company that was doing really well this year. 
the, the number was kind of disappointing and it drops uh, more than 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just what we're seeing For, with Vertex. I just think there's so much strength in the cystic fibrosis business um, and that it can work through these other problems that the stock is, uh, you know, it's, it's still attractive here and actually might be um, something of a, uh, of a buying opportunity given how strong it had been this year. Interesting. We'll keep an eye on that one. I'm glad you caught the news this morning. So moving on, I want to talk about Starbucks, which also reports this week. Before that, I'll remind listeners, we'll take questions at the end of the call. So whatever you're thinking and worrying about concerning the market, put your questions down and we'll set aside some time for them. So theoretically, Ben, Starbucks should be doing well as COVID wanes. People are going back to restaurants. They're going back to the office. They're going out and about in general. But the company is under pressure from labor. It's under pressure from a slowdown in China. And founder Howard Schultz has parachuted in for his third term as CEO trying to fix this. Tell us about the earnings outlook and the challenges that Howard Schultz is going to face this time around. Sure. Well, here's a company that uh, is actually going to experience a drop in earnings this year. Um, 60 cents is expected. That would be down from 62. Um, and I think the, uh, the the big problem is just the uncertainty around those earnings. Um, the, the company has you know, halted buybacks. It's uh, really focusing on growth and sort of reconfiguring that growth. Um, and and it's going to be spending money on people and stores and things like that. Um, and you do have uh, stores unionizing. Um, and so you're going to have uh, likely higher costs um, for labor. Um, and, and, and I think investors are just worried about where growth is going to come from. Um, I don't think anyone's saying it's not going to grow and that it's not going to have decent earnings. But right now, um, I think the uh, UBS was putting, uh, you know, guidance at uh, for this year was EPS is supposed to grow at an 8 10% clip, but that it's likely going to be either reduced or pulled altogether just because you do have these overhangs of like, uh, you know, the Chinese uh, restrictions. Um, you know, people aren't, aren't going to work or aren't out and about. They're not going to be going to a Starbucks for uh for coffee. Um, and I, I just think there's, you know, the stock has never been cheap. Um, it's always been priced as a, as a growth stock. And so when you get into these kind of periods where you're not sure, um, there, there's not a line of sight on those earnings, I think it really does cause problems. The, the good thing here is that the stock, I mean, if you can call it a good thing, is that there, there's a lot of bad news priced into Starbucks shares. It's down 36% uh, this year. So you have to to think that perhaps a lot of this is already starting to get priced into the stock. Um, it's just investors want to have a little more certainty around it. That makes sense. We'll see what happens. So streaming, the next topic. We've heard from plenty of the kings of streaming lately, and the news hasn't been so good. I'm thinking about Netflix in particular. It had awful guidance on subscriber counts. This week, Paramount will give us a report. Listeners might remember that Paramount is the new name for Viacom. Tell us what's on tap from Paramount. Um, they're going to, I mean, have uh, not a great year also. 52 cents is expected. Um, and that was uh, versus $1.52 last year. Um, they're spending a lot on um, on content and trying to really turn itself into a streaming play. And that's causing problems. The thing I like about paramount is that it is small and so that could mean that if anyone is looking to buy uh, a streamer um that uh, paramount could be uh, the one to purchase um and streaming isn't all they do 
And streaming isn't all they do. You know, they still uh, have um, their TV channels and, uh, and whatnot. So it's a, you know, it, it, it's an interesting one here, especially because it has been uh, beaten down um, quite a bit. Uh, not, not necessarily this year, because it started the year fairly low. So I think it's um, probably, it's around flattish on the year. But if you look back over the last 12 months, it's gotten hit pretty hard. Um, and so it's one that, you know, I kind of like just because no one's expecting anything from it. And so if it does have a little bit of success or somebody decides, hey, you know what, we need to buy content, um, Paramount is going to be the one that that, that benefits. Um, and, and we'll see about how, how what kind of progress they're making on, um, on Paramount Plus, the streaming channel, and uh, how the other businesses are holding up. I should say it's the new old name or the old new name for Viacom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Thinking about the Paramount Studios. So travel is back. And um, as I as I like to say, just try booking a flight or getting a hotel room at last year's prices. You'll find it is not possible. Inflation is running rampant in the travel industry. We're going to hear from a batch of travel-related companies this week, including Marriott and Booking.com and Airbnb. What do you think the numbers will show? Well, I think we we kind of know what's going to happen. We've heard from uh, airlines. People are flying again. They're all expecting to be profitable. Um, and we know that uh, people want to be out there. And it's no surprise then that you look at a Marriott and you see that, hey, it's up 7.4% this year. Um, and their earnings are kind of exploding. They're supposed to earn 92 cents, and that's up from 10 cents a year ago. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've really come to the point where, I mean, if there's one sector that really seems to be fulfilling that promise of, um, uh, of a return to travel and things like that, it's, it's, it's the hotels. And so, um, it'll be interesting to see how investors react to the, the numbers when Marriott, uh, does report, um, just because, uh, they're, they, they have held up so well and we've seen responses to even okay earnings from stocks that have done well this year be punished but um you know they are doing um they're just doing phenomenally right now for all the reasons that you said people want to travel again and they're willing to pay the price for uh, for hotels um I, I think what sets them a, apart from um the likes of a of a booking which is reporting this week and also an airbnb both neither of these stocks are down as much as your typical tech stock um booking is down around uh, you know they're both down around eight percent let's call it um but they're also um you know they, they because they are they they have been priced as tech stocks and because there's still a lot of growth priced out in the future they're getting hit harder by this pe contraction and by the sell-off in tech and there's still a lot of worry around um around just valuation um for something like an airbnb even though airbnb is has a lot of its exposure in the us which is a good thing with booking the worry is that it has um too much exposure to um europe and, and to asia and asia obviously has the the lockdowns and europe has the war um and what's being um and, and the possible um possible recession over there just the the, the growth it's a good summer to travel at home <laughs> it, it is um it really is and um, um, or at least, uh, you know, for Americans, it might be good for us to go ab abroad. But if you're uh, a European buying a ticket, it, it's got to be tough. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's not a great time to be coming to the U.S. Uh, just because of that strong dollar. Um, so to, again, because the stocks are down, maybe there's some room for them to, to bounce back a little bit. Um, but uh, for now, um, you know, it does look like the hotels are, are just holding up a bit better. Something to keep an eye on, definitely. So before we leave the topic of earnings, I want to turn quickly to online retailing. We're going to hear from eBay, Etsy, Shopify, and Wayfair this week. All of them are former market darlings. Now they are in the doghouse with investors. Why have these stocks fallen so much? They're all tied to the e-commerce universe. They are. And I think they all, um, you know, it just people have realized, and we heard it from Amazon, that there was a lot of demand during COVID, which just isn't normal demand and you're not going to see in the future um and and except it got extrapolated into the future and investors looked at them and said well you know they can keep growing off of these levels and we're seeing that that's not really uh, the case um and that's why a lot of these stocks are, are just getting hammered um a good example is shopify um it's down almost 70 percent this year um but if you look at its earnings, it's going to have uh, it's expected to have a profit of 67 cents. That's down from nine dollars and ninety four cents. Um, and there's still this is what amazes me is you. Uh, I was reading a note from uh, Stiefel and they say we're cautious on first quarter results and second quarter guidance heading into the report, giving signs of the weakening macro environment and rising inflation, which may be more severely felt by Shopify merchants versus an Amazon, given the more discretionary nature of the product mix. And that's just a fancy way of saying it could get worse. Yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing considering how bad these numbers already look. I mean, just the the the, the drop there um, from that 994 to 67 cents is just astounding. And you basically are seeing the same uh, kind of thing um, across uh, across the board to to different levels. Uh, you know, Etsy is supposed to see earnings drop by about twenty four cents to seventy six cents from a dollar. Um, there there are people who like it just because they've been able to raise their transaction fees for sellers without too much protest. There there have been some, and they get a lot of attention. But it seems like uh, people are willing to pay them. And 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 eBay is actually holding up even better, but it's also in the stock. Uh, eBay is down twenty two percent this year. It's expected to have a profit of a dollar three, and that'd be down from a buck oh nine. Um, and so there's just you know what you're seeing is people trying to figure out what what will these companies really look like going forward. I think they're having a tough time doing it. It's it's an incredible loss of investment value. It really is. Um, just to see these these things that were so up so much now just get get just totally trashed. You have to think somewhere along the way, there's going to be a buying opportunity. Absolutely. Hard to imagine Shopify down 69% and think, you know, it's going down much further. Of course it could, but there's got to be a buying opportunity someplace. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for it. And and, want to go to some listener questions and we'll come back. We'll circle back to the economy. Sure. So um, Albert asks a question about fixed income. What's the best place to be in fixed income at this time? Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, on Friday, I would have said nowhere. Um, <laughs> but I, I am, I'm on the Barron's uh, Roundtable TV show on uh, over the weekend. Um, we, we filmed this on Friday and uh, our guest was Rick Reeder um, from BlackRock. And one of the things he said is that you can find yields of four to five percent in shorter term investment grade bonds and munis. Um, 
And uh, I hadn't really thought of that. I or hadn't been aware of that. Um, and those are the kind, if you're getting um, that kind of yield on, if you can get that kind of yield on bonds that don't have too much, what we call duration risk, um, you know, that's well better than the dividend yields on stocks right right now, on most stocks right now. And um, that could be an interesting uh, place to look. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be for trying to find companies that are very healthy. Uh, with healthy balance sheets, but or municipalities with healthy balance sheets, but they've just gotten hit too hard because this really has been an indiscriminate sell-off for the most part. Is the best thing to do to go through your broker? Um, go through your broker or find a fund where the the manager really seems to um, have been able to to navigate this kind of um, uh, this kind of market. You want something that uh, it looks uh, as little like the index as possible. That makes sense. We have a question from Mahul. What is your outlook for dividend paying stocks like Verizon? You know, they're going to try to keep those dividends going. Um, I mean, it's been it's not been easy for Verizon uh, recently. And I think that's largely just because there's a lot of competition um, in telecom. Um, and the one area that we keep going back to with Barron's, I know Lauren Strauss, who writes about uh, uh, dividend stocks for us, keeps going back to dividend growers. Um, you, you want those companies, it's, it's not as much about the size of the dividend as it is just about their ability to maintain it and to grow it. Um, and so I think that's going to be the key thing is that is, it's looking for the ones that do have the ability to, uh, to, to keep growing that dividend and to protect it. Um, because we all know if, the, if a cut comes, um, then hard to uh, recover from that. Yeah, and that's 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 hard. But uh, you know, with Verizon, it, it is. It's just I think it's a, it's in a tough spot right now. Um, and but I'd like to think that uh, that its dividend, uh, you know, it, it knows how important that dividend is and will do what it can to protect it. All right, but the the takeaway to me is dividend growers look for those. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's what you want. Just quality stocks that are able to keep growing those dividends. So George asked a question about Sweetgreen. This is the salad company um, announcing profits on Thursday after the market closed. Do you have any thoughts about Sweetgreen and let's expand it? Do you have any thoughts about the whole, I guess I'd call it semi-fast casual sector in dining? Um, you know, again, with with a lot of these, I, I think it just depends on, um, you know, the itch on whether we go into a recession or not. Um you know, if it's a recession, people aren't going to want to spend a lot of money on on fast casual. They'll they'll move down to McDonald's and things like that. Um, and I think with a lot of these, we've seen um, you know names come and go that uh, they've been you know the the popular stock uh, for a while, um, and they they turn out just to be uh, another another restaurant. Um, and so I think that has to be the the worry with uh, something like Sweetgreen is like, what is its value proposition? Is it going to uh, you know be able to convince uh, people to keep eating there and to, to keep growing it? I think the good news for the stock is that it's holding uh, support right now around uh, 26. Um, and uh, as long as that holds, you know, it's it, it's probably uh, OK for now. It looks like it's really just been trading sideways uh, since it had the uh, initial decline uh, late last year. Should be a beneficiary if more people go back to the office. I think about the very long lines at these restaurants when yeah. we were in the heyday of office work. That is that is true. As uh, 
As, uh, my wife was telling me about just the number of people outside Chick-fil-A here in Brooklyn and uh, <laughs> the number of mopeds uh, parked out there, too, so that uh, people could get it delivered. Um, uh, interesting. Yeah. I know that's a popular place, but I believe privately held. So yes. Steve asked a question about Apple. He notes that Apple reported a blowout quarter with every category beating estimates. The stock went down after earnings due to the company's forecast, but the issue is really with supply and not demand for Apple products. Do you think the drop in the stock is justified? Um, I actually do. Um, no, Apple is supposed to be um, immune to all these issues. Um, and the stock, I mean, it, it's been interesting to watch it. Um, hold up so much better than uh, its peers. I mean, it's held up better than uh, any of the fangs, any of the other big tech stocks. It's held up better than Microsoft. It's uh, held up better than, obviously, Amazon, Alphabet, and whatnot. But I don't think it's impervious to some of these forces that are out there. Um, and, you know, it, it, you can't, in, in this kind of market environment, um, you know, it was actually outperforming the S&P 500. And I don't think you can have that um you, you can keep that going if you can't at least maintain your guidance um and it might turn out to be a buying opportunity i mean apple is such a strong um company um it has so much cash in the balance sheet it's going to buy back an incredible amount of stock um but I just think that in this kind of environment where so much um, it, where you're being punished for every little miss that, yeah, it probably makes sense that it came down. <laughs> All right. We'll revisit that, I'm sure, on future Barron's Live calls. Let's just close quickly with a look at the economy. It's not a big week for economic data, which is probably a good thing since it's a very big week for Fed news. But we are going to get a fresh look at the labor market with Friday's jobs report. Give us the skinny, Ben, quickly. What can we expect? I would expect around 395,000 jobs. That would be down a little bit from 431,000. Um, but it's still very, very strong. Um, we're also going to expect to have an unemployment rate of around 3.6%, which would be unchanged uh, from last month uh, or from, sorry, from March. Um, because these are April numbers. Um, so again, we're seeing a very strong um, labor market as expected. Um, and I think that's one of the Fed's concerns is just how how strong is too strong? Um, you know, how much wage growth are we going to see? And that's really the the, the point that's going to um, it, that's going to help determine whether the Fed has to to go even harder with the rate hikes than uh, than it already is. Oh boy, something to really watch the end of the week. Thank you so much for all this information, Ben, and for your wonderful insights as usual. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. That's all the time we have today, but please join us again tomorrow. Barron's Associate Editor, Reshma Kapadia, will speak with Sonal Desai, Chief Investment Officer for Franklin Templeton Fixed Income and a member of the Barron's Roundtable. They'll be talking about what to do with your bonds now that the 40-year bond bull market is over, where to find ballast for your portfolio, and whether the Fed can tamp down inflation without tipping the economy into recession. So I see we have some questions coming in now. We are out of time today, but I'm going to save them for next Monday. Thank you so much, everyone. Really appreciate your time today. Stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.